Welcome to the HIMSS SoCal podcast, where we discuss emerging trends in healthcare information technology. I'm your host, Paul Butler, and today I have with me Jim Davis, Chief Technology Officer at UC Irvine Health. Welcome to the program, Jim. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here today, and and we're also excited to have you as part of our HIMSS Southern California 2021 Healthcare IT Virtual Conference. Wow, that's a mouthful, uh, which is coming up quickly on May 15th. So we get we get uh, double the time with you. So CTO is a very interesting title, Chief Technology Officer, somewhat of a rare breed, since you sort of have to have that you know C level business acumen, but you also have to be a technologist. Can you give us a little bit of background as to how you came about to become a CTO? And how does what you do differ from, say, a CIO or a director of uh, IT infrastructure? So my background in, in IT really started... Uh, you know, back before Y2K, uh, going through school, learning that I think, you know, computers were the way of the future and really just had a knack of, of you know, typing and, and playing with some of the electronic components of a computer. I started to go through school, uh, worked my way into an insurance law firm, uh, just doing basic desktop support, replacing motherboards and quickly found that I had some skills that I, I could really pick up technology very quickly and quickly started assuming duties of server, storage, telecommunications, and really just managed that for a, a rather small you know, insurance law firm for about eight years. Uh, and then quickly found myself just yearning for more uh, and jumped into the healthcare IT, had a wonderful opportunity to move into uh, the San Francisco Bay Area, and pick up in, in a children's hospital, and really just kind of went from there. Uh, took on more and more duties around networking, some architect, as well as just all the things from technology that were booming uh, in 2007, uh, playing with the first iPhone and, and being able to roll out technology to our executive suite and, you know, via the, the initial iPhone and getting email and calendar uh, you know, on those devices. I, from that standpoint, I really started to get into the electronic medical record and, and how do you bridge uh, application and technology together. Uh, and then at that point, I had my CTO at that time really pushed me into trying to get into management and saying that he really saw something in me and I should really take this step, which I was very hesitant at first. Um, but, but quickly learned that it was something that allowed me the opportunity to stay technical, but to be able to manage those individuals and help guide them to, you know, deploying and having proper communications uh, when it comes to IT work. So that's really been my story for, you know, getting into management. Uh, once, once I found an opportunity here in, in Southern California, uh, I jumped all over it and came down here to, to sunny SoCal and started to, you know, really understand, you know, the true business of, of a large academic medical center and was able to work my way from a manager into a director of, of infrastructure. Uh, and as the opportunity really started to come about of moving into a CTO, I really looked at, you know, what did the CTO position truly need? Uh, and, and that was having a relationship, you know, with your ex executive suite, uh, as well as, you know, other executive directors in, in the organization and, and understanding their challenges, their, their concerns, and how could we as an IT department 
partner with him to help deliver the, the solutions that they need to do their job, but also do it in a way that it allowed us to be secure and, and follow some of our you know, strategies and process and procedures that really worked well for everybody. Right. So y- you work closely with uh, Scott Jocelyn, CIO, right? And with the stakeholders in, um, in, in analyzing their needs and framing up, uh, I guess, a technology architecture. How do, how do you go about kind of uh, putting some fences around all the things that people must be beating down your door to try to get in-house in terms of technology and you know, an academic institution is famous for bringing in everything. So how do you put some fences around that? So, and, and you, you let it off well, obviously a, a partnership with, with my boss, Scott Austin, our CIO, uh, it's, it's working side by side with him to get, you know, our foot in the door, so to speak, with, you know, the executive suite here uh, to include, you know, clinical, operational, uh, as well as, you know, our our School of Health Sciences uh, departments and really just build, starting, starting small and really understanding how things are coming in either in the front door or sometimes even in the back door uh, directly to procurement. Uh, and it's really having a relationship with all of those parties and then starting to build a, a intake and a governance process to understand if you submit it through this this process, you know, the IT department will now understand uh, process, do proper security reviews, send it to an architectural uh, governance committee, uh, and then from that standpoint, be able to truly give you a an actual cost of what this would look like as well as a timeline to deploy this. And so, so that is something that with, with the guidance of Scott Jocelyn, as well as all of the relationships that we have built, you know, over the years here at UCI with our, with our customer base, we have started to be able to implement this process and really stay in front of these requests versus finding them out uh, where they're in the, the final procurement stages. Right. So, so what I really want to get into is this event that's happened over the past year with the pandemic, and we're now getting towards the tail end of it. But how has the last year changed uh, how you focus, how rapidly you deploy stuff, and what are some of the interesting initiatives and projects that you've ended up doing in the last 12 months? COVID, I think, really hit the, you know, the medical industry very, very you know, hard and really required a lot of us to kind of stop and reevaluate what we were doing and what we were going to do. Uh, you know, some of the, the beauties of things that we've done here is, you know, we had a, we had a six-month project that was already on the books, uh, resources uh, coming in-house, um, project plans, timelines that was all laid out and, and ready to be implemented. And when COVID hit, uh, we took a six-month project and shrunk it down to three weeks and completely deployed, you know, webcams and speakers and, and our whole telehealth initiative. Um, I mean, it, it's a great story to watch IT and our clinical leadership work well together. We had doctors, you know, coming in here and physically picking up web cameras and running out to areas that they oversaw or, or they could get access to and installing these on computers while we were working on the back end to you know, sync up these technologies together and start to do telehealth with with our patient population. As we hopefully end nearing the end of this pandemic, um, what's your opinion on 
uh, remote care? Is it is it you know going back to the old way, or is it just the start of a whole new set of uh, initiatives for your you and your organization? And are you having to kind of build out an architecture uh, around um, extending care beyond the the four walls, as it were, much more aggressively than before? What's really happening with you guys, and how are you you know laying into this to lay the groundwork for the future? Oh, I, I, I don't think that anything will, will go back to where it was. Um, obviously, there's still a need for the four walls and the care that is done, you know, within the medical center. Uh, but being able to see that you can take devices and with, with broadband being so relatively, you know, out there in, in our community, uh, we, we can now take advantages of cellular or in-home Wi-Fi and really starting to deploy these devices. Uh, I, I know that as part of, you know, the peak of COVID, you know, our clinical team was, was very impassioned and, and they needed this technology to be out there. And, and we were able to successfully uh, do a pilot where we were monitoring patients at home uh, with whatever type of, you know, issue that they had, whether it was COVID or, or, or symptoms uh, coming out of COVID, uh, we were able to, to see very critical pieces of their, their health history and as well real-time data mm-hmm. to then schedule appointments or, or ask them to come in. And, and I think that, that that is a really eye-opening experience for clinical leadership as well as IT leadership is that this really works. You know, we, we can now expand upon the platform by, you know, sending home uh, iPads or uh, digital scales, uh, wearable type technology mm-hmm. that really is monitoring everything from your pulse oximetry to your heart rate to your, you know, to your, your actual weight uh, and being able to be extremely proactive versus having to wait for a month for you to come in during a scheduled appointment and, mm-hmm. and be able to see that data live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is really very very interesting. I think to see how IT is responding. In one sense, it's the physician specialties that are going to come and say, "Hey, we need this." And so, in a sense, you you know you have to be reactive, but in another sense, you have to be the architect because there's there's got to be a thousand vendors pounding down your vo- door to to get some new product in front of you. Everything from security to remote devices, and and the physicians themselves are wanting to do things uh, using some technology they may have heard of or to get things out and to uh, get a pilot project going. Can you can you talk about specific areas? Has it really been centered around COVID? Or are you getting a lot of, you know, post-surgery follow-up uh, things? Can you, can you tell us about some of the things that you guys are doing right now and where you see some of this going during the next year for you? Uh, sure. I think that what we are, are really looking to do with, you know, home health care is, is not just around COVID. It's around the actual health of, of the customer. Uh, and, and that's really where it's, it is kind of vetting through some of these vendors to understand what solutions that they do have. We, we, we know that this is so new and there is no, you know, one-stop shop from a, a single vendor, but it's trying to understand how do you kind of crawl, walk, run in this area and build and choosing a solution, building a relationship with a partner that allows you to customize and grow this as, as we become more and more mature, as well as take advantage of, uh, you know, when, you know, the Apple, Apple Watch first came out, it was it was a watch. And then now look at all the things that it can do and the integrations with, 
uh, you know, Apple Health and direct integrations into the electronic medical record. So as, as this new home healthcare platform becomes a little more mature, there'll be natural integrations that can occur that we can absolutely take advantage of and start to see more into the patient's you know, home life and how, that, and how their actual health is as we become more and more mature with you know the home health care has had such a strong legacy meaning i mean you almost have to blow up the business model and and, and start anew with 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 this very technology oriented a, a approach don't you think are are you guys involved i mean you, i know you can't mention specifics but uh let's just talk trends in the business do you see this as being completely reinvented in concert with uh, technology for um uh, real-time or periodic monitoring yeah, I, I definitely see things changing because it has always been traditional. You know, you 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 are going to have some sort of a, a a phone, you know, or you know, device that has to be completely hooked up to you at all times. As you start to see these wearables that you know that they are directly connecting to Wi-Fi, you know, or cellular data, they, they you kind of uh, lose that leash, so to speak. And now you you have a whole new way of being able to you know take this monitoring on. Uh, I I know that it used to be very centric in having a one way input. Uh, now you have the ability to capture multiple streams and have kind of a central you know operating you know board that you can now look through a single portal with multiple data feeds and being able to see a lot more than you have traditionally been able to see in the past. Are you, are you, are you, are you actually taking that home data into their respective medical records or is that uh, still not integrated like that yet? Yeah, it's not being integrated right now, but I think that that is the future is is what do you how do you take this data in what are you doing with it and then how do you input that into the the medical record of the patient and i think that that's really where you know where we are is to understand how this data how this data is coming in is it truly reliable and then making sure that we're we're then taking that and documenting it appropriately within the patient's record yeah, it seems like reliability is an issue because when you're in a clinical setting, of course, you can control everything, but in a home setting, not so much. And when you're trying to take in live data, do you trust it or not? You know, did the lead fall off, you know, that kind of thing. So um, how do you guys approach this? Do you take a, 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 a kind of a pilot orientation? I, I guess I'm getting back to the whole governance thing. It sounds like you've got a very thorough process about how you take something through, evaluate it, and then, then go for it. But some of this technology is so new and unproven, and you don't know what you don't know, that um, don't you pretty much, you know, have to do a pilot program to make sure something's going to work before you decide to broaden it out and commit to it? Oh, ab absolutely. And, and, and that was really what... I I think COVID in the pandemic did is is it allowed us to go and and find a patient subset that you had some sort of data on while they were here in house, send them home, and then to see how things are going, and then schedule some of the follow ups. So you've got a good internal baseline. You're now seeing what's going on at home, and then you can bring them back in to ensure that you're truly seeing the same data. So this is not something that that you're just rushing out quickly. You're doing a, a very strong process with, you know, all people involved from, you know, your, your, your clinical, you know, the, 
the clinical physician, you know, down to a nurse, down to making sure that the IT team is involved. You, you've literally got the entire you know, spectrum of the entire organization looking at this to ensure, is there anything that we're missing? You know, is this truly the, the data, you know, before that final decision is this is this is the technology we would like and are going to start rolling out. Mm -hmm. So everyone that I've talked to, I think absolutely everyone that I've talked to has been, has felt like they've been um, just trying to keep their head above water with the uh, demands on uh, new projects and new technology and the need to pilot stuff, not only because of the, the re uh, remote care, but also because the number of, of devices that are now coming out and the number of uh, protocols and ways to capture and verify the data. It seems that it just must be an enormous task for you to kind of swim in the sea of, of technology alternatives and 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 uh, keep your your head above water how do you find any time to be strategic or are you just trying to keep up with the the never-ending stream of project proposals coming in from uh, the different uh, uh, clinical and physician departments you know it, it it's funny um as i tell my staff i when i end my day at you know roughly 5 p.m i start my second job which is which is some of that strategic you know planning uh maybe even getting in there and actually doing some of the operational work um it it, it is very challenging um especially when you've you've got a lot of very high profile and critical you know, internal projects that are going on, uh, you know, vetting out new, new technology, uh, rolling out applications or, or hardware that y you weren't even thinking that you were going to have to do, uh, but it is now part of the new culture of, of remote work. Uh, on top of, you have a level one trauma center uh, for Orange County that you're trying to, you know, continue to keep up and functional. So it, it is it is a very challenging you know time for you know myself as well as the rest of the IT staff here uh, to be able to vet all of this, uh, get some sleep, have a a good work uh, home life balance, um, as well as is keep you know all of our customers uh, and patients uh, happy and safe. Yeah, I bet. So uh, is your organization starting to come back onto campus more? I know a lot of IT organizations sent their people home, tried to get them to work remote, remotely as much as possible, kept vendors away from coming in. Are, are you guys beginning to um, get back on site? Uh, I'm to a point, you know, and where and where it makes sense. I, I think as as any organization, and you realize that you know for over a year you've been able to, uh, at some level, uh, you know, get back to you know 100% productivity, mm -hmm. uh, and and you have the ability to do that. We're we're not bringing all of our IT staff back. Uh, I think that we've we've proven that we can do this, and and it's been very beneficial. I think for you know a, a lot of my team. Is, is being able to work remote and, and avoiding that commute and the, the wear and the tear on, you know, your, your vehicle and, and just yourself in general. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't really see us coming back, but I, I do see, you know, some departments that need to come back just because of the function of their work. Uh, but it, it is it is something that we're balancing, you know, very carefully here to understand, do we need to continue to look at uh, longer term remote work 
applications and technology, as well as when when staff do come back, how do you ensure that, you know, when they do come back, that they now have all the, the tools that they truly need to do their job because you've sent a lot of that equipment or, or changed some of their software so that they can work remotely. Right, right. So going forward, uh, there's a lot of challenges in front of you. What advice would you give to aspiring chief technology officers in, in the healthcare business who's going to be trying to tackle that kind of role going forward, given all that you've you know, just been through? What are the chief challenges you think uh, need to be solved going forward? A lot of it, I think, is is just you know what what is your your on premise versus work balance going to be? Uh, is as you you know until that is really set you know at the organizational level, you're you're constantly playing that that game is what hardware or or what application stack you know how are you going to deliver those types of technologies and not understanding if they're going to be on premise or remote is is a very big challenge because it is it is drastically different to push an application over your local you know network versus trying to push it to somebody that's sitting at home and may not have the most uh, adequate bandwidth uh, and it really impacts their day-to-day operations mm-hmm. so you know that that is going to be one of the key focuses is to really grasp that uh, the other is is now that we know we can work from from remote how much technology do you need to have in your your you know traditional on-premise data centers you know can you start to move more and more applications hardware to the cloud uh, where it becomes a little more readily available to your end users um, that that allows you to not have to keep those people on site physically staring at lights and at a data center and you're now kind of pushing some of that you know to your vendors and then allowing your staff to re retool themselves to start focusing on some other other technology or other skill sets that are more beneficial as you start to roll out some of this new technology that you're seeing you know coming out <laughs> out of the woodworks quickly i think one of the things that you um are going to have to deal with is the whole um push the cloud obviously it's going to be a big big uh opportunity with everything coming forward just as you said because everybody's scattered anyways what does it really mean to have applications and data uh on premise versus at another location if you're remote anyways so with that jim is there anything else that you'd like to uh, talk about that i haven't covered yet you know, I, I think one of the to maybe piggyback off of your last question about what to tell some of those those up and coming, you know, individuals. You know, some of the some of the greatest advice that I ever got was, you know, when you're not used to dealing with executives or you know some uh, uh, irate uh, physicians, et cetera. You know, one of the the best things I I could say is when you get those phone calls or or you get that email. Um, Sometimes it's it's best to just kind of take that step back, you know, before you reply, before you, you say something, is just kind of take the step back, take it all in, you know, give yourself a, a second to breathe before then you then respond. Um, you, you will find that you will go farther and your message will be more well-received uh, when you truly don't answer in, in the heat of the moment and you allow yourself to process it and then articulate your message back to the individual. It, it's, it, it has worked well and, and I, I love the advice and would love to just continue to pass it on. 
Yeah, that's career-saving advice for sure. Um, Jim, thank you so much for coming on the show. What is the best way for people to reach out to you if they wish to connect with you? Uh, I'm definitely on LinkedIn. I'm, yeah, very happy to you know accept those invitations and, and communicate that way. Uh, it is probably the easiest way. Feel free to, to look me up and, and give me a shout. I, I'd love to increase my network and, and communicate with uh, other like-minded individuals and, and, and learn from you as well. Well, thanks uh, for breaking away from your busy week. I know you've been slammed. Uh, I think that's the, the probably the life of a CTO. But it's been great to have you, and we'll see you at the 2021 Healthcare IT Virtual Conference on May 15th. And those, for those interested, uh, those listeners interested in registering for that conference, go to uh, socal.himschapter.org, and there's a registration right there if you pick up this um, podcast before the 15th. Okay. Thank you, Jim, for joining us. Perfect. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Okay. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Hymn SoCal podcast. This is Paul Butler, your host. Our sound engineer has been Callister Harmon.